0: Hey everyone. Welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. Wherever you are, whoever you are, crypto skeptic, half believer, or enthusiast, it's really great to have you tuning in to Crypto Unstacked where we bring you a cup of crypto every week and unstack everything from crypto finance to global macroeconomics. Hey unstackers, I'm excited to be starting something new on Crypto Unstacked podcast called Freeform Fridays. Twice a month, I'll produce short form podcasts on interesting articles, podcasts, Twitter threads, whatever it may be that I read or listened to recently. And I'll try to connect some of this information to the observations and thoughts that are brewing in my mind about crypto. Look, the more I learn about crypto, the more I realize just how multidisciplinary the field is and how the space draws in people from all walks of life. And to be honest, burying myself in crypto, I've kind of started to carry a more narrow view of the world than I'd like to, which is a bit ironic given the multidisciplinary nature of crypto that I just mentioned. Sometimes I find it healthy to just give some mind share to things outside of crypto every once in a while and refocus on what's happening in this crypto microcosm. My opinions are going to be pretty raw and rough on the edges, but hey, it's an open dialogue after all. So with that... Let's dive into the very first Freeform Friday. This week, I read a blog post by a guy named Packy McCormick, who writes the Not Boring newsletter. He also runs a podcast under the same name. He wrote a blog post recently, it was a few weeks ago, titled Secure the Bag, B-A-A-G, which stands for Business as a Game. He started off his blog by saying, quote, A bunch of seemingly disconnected ideas float around in my head and interact with each other and sometimes form this fuzzy outline of something that I can't quite clearly articulate, but that feels important to explore." End quote. I love this because I often feel the same way. And one of the first questions that Packy asks is, would it be possible to run a real business in a way that feels like playing a video game? I find this super thought-provoking, because I realize I never thought about running a business in this way before. We all know video game businesses exist, but what could running and designing your business like a video game with all the in-game incentives and rewards look like? I guess crypto companies are giving us a glimpse into what a raw form of business as a game could look like. Paki talks about three current trends we're seeing, to paraphrase him and I may have added my own twist to some things here, but they are number one, growth of virtual economies alongside real world economies. Number two, business in a box, operating businesses at higher levels of abstraction as the act of running businesses becomes more frictionless. And number three, everyone is becoming an investor and as such, seeing life as a capital allocation game, which he argues will become an increasingly important skill. So let's talk through these trends. Number one, growth of virtual economies, also known as metaverses. Metaverses are fascinating. In describing what a metaverse is, Pecky references a definition from venture capitalist Matthew Ball, who says that a metaverse is an evolution of the internet that spans VR, AR, online, and physical worlds, creating a new layer of the economy with rich experiences many of which were not previously possible. We tend to talk about metaverses in the context of gaming, and we have this notion that splits games from the real world. How many times have you seen this on TV shows or even experienced this yourself as a young kid? Parents telling kids to get off their gaming consoles, go outside and find something to do in the real world. But these metaverses actually span both the digital and the physical worlds. Packy has an amazing deep dive on Tencent metaverse which I would definitely want to take a crack at exploring alongside the super platformization trend that dominates Chinese internet giants these days. But that topic deserves a whole other episode which I'll devote some time to in the future. Back to the point of connecting the digital and physical worlds, what if this distinction is becoming more and more blurred over time? We know that virtual economies are no longer just pure simulations or powered by fake monies. Real capital goes into these games by way of in-game item purchases and sales. But in terms of asset ownership, the norm has been for game developers to own the assets and quote-unquote lease the assets to players during the lifetime of the game. With the advent of blockchain-based games, the landscape is now shifting to player-owned content, making in-game ownership more possible than ever before. Things like in-game virtual land or being packaged as non-fungible tokens, also known as NFTs, and sold to players, who then become owners of a piece of the game that can even be used outside of the existing game in other games in the future. This is being made possible through games like Sandbox and Decentraland. And I had a great conversation with Animoca, a large game publisher based in Hong Kong, in episode 20 of the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I highly recommend you go and check that out to learn more about how Animoca thinks about the future of blockchain-based games. Now, if you had steps into the land of DeFi farming over the summer, you'd say people were batshit crazy farming all sorts of food items, spawned into existence, seemingly out of thin air, and drawing hundreds of millions in capital. I'm grossly diluting what's been going on in DeFi, but the point is, why is this magical world of DeFi drawing in real-world monies and clips never seen before? I think it's because the barrier for people to participate in such activities is fairly low. All you need is some know-how, the internet, and disposable income. I know it's not entirely a low barrier, but hopefully you get my point. DeFi is a tokenized metaverse. It's about giving access to services that many are not able to access in the real world and enabling ownership and en mass over things that people didn't think were ever possible like having a seat at the table to impact the future of a company, a la governance rights. Instead of paper governance, which we see with traditional VCs, the people running the companies, or in DeFi's case, protocols, communities, are able to influence the future of a project through dynamic community-driven governance. I mean, we're really starting to see the growth of a virtual economy powered by the formation of on-chain governance. Number two, business in a box. As many of you listening are probably aware, Crypto Unstacked ran a DeFi series speaking with some of the most well-versed minds and investors in the space. The common thread from all these conversations, of course, apart from the sheer enthusiasm for this burgeoning corner of crypto, of course, is the ease of interaction that DeFi enables consumers. To put simply, DeFi abstracts away complex processes typical in traditional finance. Everything from making a trade to taking out a loan— And this is reflected in the total value locked that has honestly been quite stable, hovering around the $10 billion mark despite the recent market correction. That means capital is sticky, and it's probably because there is an extremely high opportunity cost of not having your money being put to work in the DeFi ecosystem. But I get it. There are risks for doing that. This is somewhat like a manifestation of a business in a box where people can spin up lines of code to do one thing and if a group of developers think there's a better way to do that same action they can quote unquote fork the lines of code and create a new type of service forking as people in crypto will tell you is not necessarily copy paste but the fact that you can't even do this thanks to open source technology means that you can literally start a business in your room grow a community get users grow revenue all without requiring a business license or permit or leasing real estate We're doing whatever it takes to just get a business going in the so-called real world. But at what point do we stop and consider that maybe with $10 billion locked up in DeFi, that it's just as real as anything else out there in finance? Because it's less work to start a business these days, consumers have more choices than ever and access to different products and services. And this brings me to the third trend that Packy talks about, which is everyone is becoming an investor. Haki references a tweet from Balaji Srinivasan, which says farming was the 1800s. Manufacturing was the 1900s. Counterintuitively, could investing become the most common job of the 2000s? And the reason is crypto and fintech are turning everyone into an investor, just like the Internet turned everyone into publishers. How far does that go? Balaji goes on to say in his thread, many bemoan the financialization of the economy, But perhaps we lean into that. Perhaps investing is what people do in a robotic economy if they don't want to be founders. Investing is similar to consumption. Just click to buy. Picking is hard. But you can join a rolling fund. In this hypothetical world, he says everyone is micro-investing every day. The $10,000 micro-exit is kind of like the viral tweet. What would have been quote-unquote college money seeds your fund Picking a fund manager is like picking an employer, and robotics gives a low-scarcity basic lifestyle. End tweet. The point here is that life is becoming a capital allocation game. Thanks to technology, with more time comes increasing ability to do other things more efficiently. Due to lower barriers to entry, we are increasingly faced with a richer set of investment opportunities, The barriers that separated the common retail investor and the professional investor are gradually eroding due to increasing democratization of finance. Within traditional finance, for example, there are more platforms catering to retail investors, helping them access higher-yielding, alternative investments, and diversified income generation opportunities at lower investment minimums. The core ethos of crypto hangs on monetary sovereignty, and permissionless finance, forcing everyone who wants to understand what crypto is all about to rethink our relationship with money and the nature of money itself. At least, that was my experience. Even from my short journey with crypto over the past few years, I already feel more empowered to seek and make investments in ways I would otherwise not be. Why? Because I feel like I have much more financial independence. On top of that, when I think of life like a game in which I need to put assets to work and maximize my return on allocated resources. It's just about asking how, when, and where. I hope you guys enjoy the first Freeform Friday podcast. Do check out the links in the show notes to read up more on Packy McCormick's article on Secure the Bag. And if you have any thoughts on this subject or feedback on things that you agreed with or disagreed with, drop me a note on Twitter and I would really love to continue the conversation with you. As always, thanks so much for tuning in guys and see you at the next episode.